1: Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? Happy Monday. I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. And welcome to the program. It's a brand new week, and yet we've got a lot of the same old drama, but we're going to break that down as we go ahead. I want to invite you to call the show if you'd like, 833-482-5337, 4 valdez And over the weekend, uh, Vice President Pence announced that he is out of the 2024 race. Uh, That's right. He's no longer competing to become president of the United States. And here's what he had to say about it.
2: Traveling across the country over the past six months. I came here to say it's become clear to me. This is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation. I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Now, I'm leaving this campaign, but let me promise you. I will never leave the fight for conservative values and I will never stop fighting to elect principled Republican leaders
1: to every office in the land. So help me God. Well, kudos to you, Vice President Pence. I've got to say this is uh, some some welcome news because I think he's really good at that. I think uh, Pence is a solid conservative. I think he's really good. He was great at um being the number two guy to Trump. And I think he'll be great on the campaign trail for 2024, not only for Trump, but for so many other people. And again, it remains to be seen whether he's going to get behind Trump or somebody else, uh, as far as I know. But I will say, I think he's good at that. He's a very likable guy. I've always liked him. And I think a lot of people do. And I think he stands for a lot of the right things. But I agree with him. This wasn't his time. And uh, so kudos to Mike Pence on that one. Uh, I think that was a, a very solid place to be. And uh, Vice President Harris uh, had this interview with uh, CBS News 60 Minutes. It was pretty interesting where uh, a lot of things were said, a lot of things were said. And I I, I don't let me see if I have uh, uh, enough uh, time to get into this stuff. But she says that Vice President Biden is very much alive. Listen to this one.
3: We were talking to some Democratic donors Mm -hmm. and they have told us that should something befall President Biden, and he is not able to run, Mm -hmm. that there would be a free-for-all for for who would run as president. You are in the spot that that would be unnatural for you to step up, but we're hearing from donors that they would not naturally fall into line. Why is that?
4: Well, first of all, I'm not gonna engage in that hypothetical, because Joe Biden is very much alive and running for re-election. But you do
3: know. I mean, that is a concern,
4: and and a legitimate concern, I would say. I hear from a lot of different people a lot of different things. But let me just tell you, I'm focused on the job. I truly am. Our democracy is on the line, Bill. And I frankly, in my head, do not have time for parlor games when we have a president who is running for re-election.
1: So, of course, that is Vice President Kemal She says that she doesn't have time for parlor games in her head. I don't know what she's doing with all of this time that she's so occupied. She's not at the border. Haven't seen her doing much there. Haven't seen her doing much of anything. Our education system is a mess. Our immigration system is a mess. Our foreign policy is a mess. And Kemal uh, Aedes, where is she? She's nowhere to be found. But... Um, she was defending biden's age and that has been a source of criticism from both republicans and democrats um since the beginning right of of his race uh especially after he announced he was going to seek re-election 80 years old now he's going to be the oldest uh, he is the oldest uh, president in us history and i don't know that that again I, I have no um no inside track on whether biden runs or he doesn't run but i can say when 60 minutes is asking questions like should something befall Biden. And again, I know he didn't sound British, but it sounds better that way. Should something befall Biden. Um, you know, when he asked those questions. It just seems to me when the media's in it, it seems like the media's in on it, doesn't it? I mean, maybe I'm just wearing my tinfoil hat too tight today. But it seems like they're they're angling to to get a story, uh, to, to get something going. And and again, that is their job. I want them to be inquisitive. I want them to ask the tough questions. So I'm glad they're asking those questions. And I think her uh, response that he's alive and well and he's running, he's a president, trying to get reelected is great. But uh, with some critics saying that if Biden were to decline this run for president or become incapacitated, Harris would be the de- the Democrat nominee or at least the, the likely nominee because she could eventually be sitting u.s president right if he steps out for 25th amendment or something like that so this is uh, again for me the best scenario possible even though there's a ba- potential backfire there uh, i could see people going look harris is in by accident but you know what let's give her a chance first woman first woman of color uh you know we got to give her a shot let's let them finish what they started and that that's a, a real thing that could potentially have some gravitas? I mean, again, that's the potential for the backfire. I think most people see that and say, oh my gosh, this lady's an absolute train wreck. She is, que mala And absolutely not, we're not going with that. And um, you have a decisive win for the Republican candidate. Uh, again, I, I don't know. This one is very hard to handicap because we just don't know. Uh, and again, if, if 86-year-old Biden truly... Um, you know, uh, finishes his next term and is is the guy, he's the main man um, at the end of his second term, then I'd say, man, God bless him. This guy's amazing. I hope that's not the case. As a matter of fact, I'm going to pray about that, too. But that can't be the direction that we go. But K Malaere says that is uh, what's going on, that Joe Biden is running for re-election and that he's alive and well. So there's that. Now you have um, Iran and uh, various proxies continuing to attack uh, U.S. troops in the Middle East despite Biden's uh, retaliation with uh, drone strikes. You've also got a a really big uh, list of action items for uh, new Speaker Johnson uh, for this week. This is going to be its first full week on the job, so we'll keep you up to speed on that as well throughout the week as we move forward. And uh Johnson also added today that uh it's very likely that Biden committed impeachable offenses. Yeah, no kidding. So <laughs> let's get let's get to the bottom of those offenses and and see what's going on. Because uh, honestly, I think the bribery that occurred during the Obama administration is going to be the toughest one to to prove even though they've got all this information coming out. I mean, I think you should try something uh, and this is me directly to Speaker Johnson. I think that you and the Republican conference and the majority need to use that same 220-vote energy to say, you know what, what's happened at the border is a a direct um, contravention of exactly what a president is elected to do, and therefore it's um, one of those things that's, um, what do they call those? Misdemeanors and high crimes. Uh, We've got to figure out a way to make that one of those, that um, going back on your oath of office and facilitating the biggest human smuggling operation in human history at our southern border. That's got to be an impeachable offense. And if it's not, we got to figure out how to make it one, because I think that one is one that most Americans can't argue. And of course, Benjamin Netanyahu uh, did a press conference, and he said there will be no ceasefire. We're going to get to that and more straight ahead. Plus, the cost of education, uh, whether it's public education, private education, college education. It is skyrocketing. We're going to talk about education and a number of other topics straight ahead. So I want you to keep it locked right here with me. And, of course, call in with any questions or concerns throughout the program in hour number two. We have some additional conversations we're going to get to. Um, But in hour number three, it's our favorite, at least my favorite, open phone America where we do calls for the whole hour. Uh, That's always a a treat for me. 833-482-5337. 833-4-Valdez.
0: America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: All right, America, welcome back. And as we look at so many of the issues that America's facing, whether it's the border, whether it's national security that's in complete disarray, uh, our international affairs uh, clearly just an absolute mess. And uh, public education, school funding, all sorts of things that are happening in our country that are are amiss. And uh, Joe Biden's still not in jail for the criminality that seems to be clearer and clearer. And we were just talking about how the the current speaker is considering a – well, he says that likely – biden committed impeachable offenses and i say yeah i agree let's let's get on with it uh but with that being said there's so much about the biden criminality that i feel like hasn't been discussed and i'd like to discuss it Uh, i'd like to discuss that and uh public school funding and the economy overall uh with jim agresti jim agresti is the uh president and founder of just facts just facts institutes one of my favorite think tanks and he's here with us tonight Jim, welcome back, sir. Richie V, always a pleasure. My man. Thank you. So tell me, what's on your mind? I know you guys are always putting together, you know, uh, the truth, if you will, uh, in in so much of the data that you produce and that you put out there. uh, A lot of excellent research. Uh, What's the latest from Just Facts on Biden and the uh, alleged criminality coming from his administration, his family?
5: Sure. So we recently put together a compendium of hard evidence implicating Joe Biden in criminality, extortion, bribery, obstruction of justice. So when the speaker says there's likely evidence of Joe Biden uh, being uh, committing impeachable offenses, that's wrong. There's definitive evidence. There is absolute proof mm. that he's been involved in his son's business deals and has done some underhanded uh, things that absolutely fit the definition of, of impeachment. And, by the way, uh, criminal
1: felonies. Well, Jim McGresty, this is, I think, um, it, it's, A, it's, it's concerning, and, B, we've heard about this, we've heard about these... Um, 40 informants that were working with the FBI since his time as vice president. Why do you think there's all this this uh, very clear cut evidence uh, most recently or maybe it's not even most recently now that we're in the new week, but uh, about a week ago, this two hundred thousand dollar payment to him that his brother says was a loan in order to avoid paying any taxes on it. Why? um, Why do you think? that there's zero involvement from federal law enforcement, and and why are we not moving faster?
5: Well, I can't read what's going on in people's heads behind the scenes. All I can tell you is that this data has been available for years, and they've failed to move on it, which obviously raises the worst suspicions that they are covering for him. I can't prove that, but what I can prove is the facts are undeniable. Uh, you know, Joe Biden claimed at least eight times he had nothing to do with Hunter's business dealings. Right. He, said, he said he never even spoke to Hunter about them. And uh, we have a, right now available a WhatsApp message from May of 2017 with two of Hunter's business partners exchanging messages about the Biden's family involvement in their dealings. And one of them wrote to the other, this is in writing,
1: don't mention Joe being involved. (laughs) Crazy. You know, it's it's funny that you say that uh, because a lot of this stuff was done with his um, pseudonym, uh, Robin Beware, and and other names that he had. And I think just today or or maybe on Friday, uh, they found another 82,000 pages of Biden using his uh, pseudonym. And it, that alone, to me, uh, if I were, I think, again, because I, I can only presume, if I were not involved in, in any type of um, political analysis ever in my life, if I heard that a president was exchanging 82,000 pages worth of email, um, I would say uh, I think he's hiding something if he's using a fake name, wouldn't you? We don't have to think about it.
5: It does look suspicious, but again, the proof is here. So from that uh Peter Henderson account, one of his uh, several aliases he had, um, his personal assistant, a government-paid individual named Kathy Chung, sent an email to that address and copied Hunter with the subject line, see below, these are all cell phone numbers. And in that email are the phone numbers of 25 high-level government and former government officials that wielded an enormous amount of power. We're talking about Hillary Clinton, Mitch McConnell, Nancy Pelosi, Joe Manchin, Attorney General Loretta Lynch, and we have emails from Hunter Biden's laptop, which has been confirmed by uh, in so many different ways that the whole idea that this might have been Russian disinformation is such a joke, okay? And the, we know from those emails that he was about at that point, being paid by a Ukrainian energy company to lobby U.S. officials to protect the owner of the firm from criminal prosecution. It's explicit in the emails. We don't have to infer anything. We don't have to assume anything. It's there in black and white.
1: It sure is. And, again, uh, something that Speaker Johnson said, the reason we shifted the impeachment inquiry stage uh, to the president himself was In fact, all the evidence leads to where we believe it will, that very likely an impeachment. Uh, And that's uh, Speaker um, Johnson today. Uh, He noted that the bribery is listed as a cause of impeachment in the Constitution, saying bribery is listed there and it looks and smells a lot like that. We're going to follow the truth wherever it leads, Johnson vowed. We're going to engage in due process because, again, we are the rule of law party. Uh, Going on. Johnson also said, I know that people are getting anxious and they're getting restless and they want somebody to be impeached, but we don't want to do that like the other team. He said, (laughs) taking a swipe at Democrats who tried to impeach Trump when they did over the phone call. He said, we have to do it on the base of the evidence we have. So uh, we're going to see exactly how that continues to play out. And uh, of course, uh, we're hoping that you, James Agresti, will keep us up to speed with everything, including all of the facts on this. But you've got some other research that I want to dig into tonight uh, regarding uh, the cost of education. And we can't uh, get into it all right now because we're probably about, you know, 45 or 50 seconds away from uh, a quick pause. But I'd like you to set up for us um, what we can expect in the next segment regarding the cost of education.
5: Sure. So right now, Public schools in the United States are spending an average of $17,013 per student per year. Uh, This is an enormous sum of money that most people have no idea is occurring. The average cost of funding a single public room classroom right now is above $340,000 per year. Now, that is an enormous amount of money, but to see if it's reasonable, one of the things we have to do is see, well, what are private school spending? Because this provides a market-based comparison to the cost of government schools. And when we get back, we'll dig
1: into that. Sounds good. Folks, we're on with James Agresti, president of Just Facts. Just Facts Institute, one of the best think tanks out there. And uh, they give you the primary source data, no spin, just facts, just like the name implies. Uh, we're coming right back with Jim Agresti and of course your calls and more straight ahead. 833 4825 337 833 4 Valdez. Don't move a muscle.
0: night, this is Rich Valdez.
1: All right, familia, welcome back, amigos. We continue our conversation on the cost of public school education versus private school education. And with all the societal ills we have in the country, the last thing we want to worry about is spending too much where we don't need to. Uh, but obviously, people tend to associate spending more money with with a better outcome. We know that 's not the case when we look at some of the the worst performing school districts in the country for years uh we've looked at um, newark new jersey and and others that were once under state control they 've since I think gotten out of state control and have improved but at the time it was it was an astronomical figure per pupil spending, and uh clearly the answer wasn't sending more money. Uh, but actually improving what you did in the classroom. And uh, Jim Agresti, the president of Just Facts, is here to continue to illuminate us on that. Jim Agresti, welcome back.
5: Thanks again, Richie.
1: Great to be here. Yes, sir. So before the break, you, you, um, you had uh, kind of um, alluded to um, what your research uh, kind of found. Uh, maybe you could uh, refresh us on that and then walk us through it. Sure. So
5: the average cost of private schools is a vital fact for understanding issues like school choice and public school spending. And that's because it provides a market-based comparison to the cost of government schools. Yet the U.S. Department of Education hasn't published an estimate for the average cost of private K-12 schools since 1995. So this is a decades-long gap that basically prompted me to conduct some research to develop a methodology that reliably measures private school spending. So I dug through academic papers and government reports and data sets, and then I performed data checks. I corresponded with several federal agencies to get this data straight. And this is what it tells us. According to the latest available data, the average cost of private K-12 schools in the United States is about $9,700 per year per student. Now in contrast, the cost for public schools is about $17,000 per year per student or 75% more than private schools. Now there's a little asterisk next to that number. Public schools have a disproportionate number of students with disabilities who cost more to educate than other students. So I counted for this difference. I actually got a uh, Ph.D. scholar involved to help me with the math, and the average cost of educating children in public schools, once accounting for disabilities, is about 58% greater than in private schools.
1: Wow. How do we account for that 58%? Well,
5: obviously the school- Public schools are very inefficient in how they spend their money. And that's often the case with a lot of government agencies, as is well known. You know, we call public schools public schools, but they're really government schools. They're run by government employees. And uh, there's a lack of competition. There's a lack of accountability. And a lot of inefficiency and waste creeps into the system.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I've seen this firsthand myself uh, as a, a founder of a charter school in New Jersey, I've always seen that and, and part of our our goal was always to to try to you know kind of beat the standard that the district um, was was putting out there. Uh, but you know, I had only looked at it from the level of local, you know, what's happening in New Jersey, specifically in Jersey City. I'd never really looked at it um, nationwide or you know done a deep dive like you have. And I think it's eye opening. And it, it's important, I think, for most people that are listening to to realize, your taxes are directly tied to this, right? Everybody would pay a lot less in school taxes, county taxes, and other local taxes that go to school taxes if we had a better way of spending uh, public dollars for public education. Do you think this is solely a problem of the politics that are involved from the teachers union uh, or and, and, of course, other parties in, involved? Or is there more to it? There's always
5: more to it when you're talking about a sociological issue like education, uh, there's parents, there's communities. There, there, is, there are numerous factors. So You can't always say, well, you know, we, we started this, we made this change, and things got worse, so they got better, which is something a president will do. Hey, the economy's doing great under me. It was doing horrible under him. There's always a lot of conflating variables. But this is the, the bottom line, Rich. By no measure can we say our public school system is a success. Um, We are at a state right now where two-thirds to three-quarters of all young adults in the U.S. are unqualified for military service because of poor physical fitness, weak educational skills, illegal drug use, medical conditions, or criminal records. We have a situation now where our 15-year-old U.S. students ranked 34th among 37 developed nations in math, even though we're spending an average of 38% more than the other developed nations. I could go on and on. There's so many. Here's another one. This one blew me away. So Mm -hmm. uh, the U.S. Department of Education does an adult skills test to basically test if, if the American public, the adults, have some basic mathematical abilities. So on the most recent one, only 37% of U.S. residents were able to correctly answer a question that required basic logic, addition, and division, allowed them to use a calculator and take as much time as they wanted. Now, was a sample question, it was basically a shoe sale. Hey, if you buy one shoe, you can get the second shoe set for the same amount as long as it costs uh, the same or less. You know, you get it for half off if it's the same amount or less. I mean, this is basic math, and yet
1: two-thirds of our population can't do it. Wow. Folks, we're on with uh, James Agresti's president of Just Facts. You can check them out at uh, com is the website, or at RealJustFacts on all of the social media. And, uh, Jim, I want you to stick with us when we come back. Uh, there's a couple of things that you put out there that I wanted you to just uh, give me a little bit better understanding on. I know you talked about... Um, Robert uh, Reich's um, uh, statistics uh, in, in the tweet that you put out, as well as the uh, covenant of Hamas quotes that you talked about. I'd like to get a little clarity on that as well on the other side. Folks, again, we're on with James Agresti, president of Just Facts. Our number, 833 482 833-4, valdez
0: This is America at Night To the liberty-loving Latino, Rich Valdez. This is America at night
1: with Rich Valdez. All right, amigos, welcome back, and uh, we're on with uh, James Agresti, president of Just Facts. You can check them out at Real Just Facts on the social media. And uh, in a tweet uh, earlier today, there you were um, refuting something that Congresswoman Corey Bush. Uh, had shared, saying, you know, we can't be silent about Israel's ethnic cleansing campaign. Babies dead, pregnant women dead, elderly dead, and so on and so forth. And and you shared a lot of information. Uh, Jim, help us understand exactly what's going on with this back and forth. Sure. So one of the most
5: common tactics used in politics, and it dates back for millennia, is to accuse others of what you're guilty of, of what, or what your side is guilty of. And Congressman Cory Bush and the rest of the squad have cre- clearly taken a side with Hamas. They'll say, we condemn their actions, their murder, but then they don't want any consequences for that. And if Israel tries to fight back, they immediately accuse Israel of doing what Hamas is doing. So this is a little context that's important to understand. The Covenant of Hamas. This is a document. You can find it online. It's something they embrace. It's their constitution, if you want to call it that. Quote, uh, quote, the prophet about the necessity of, quote, killing the Jews. This This is their constitution. I want you to imagine a constitution that says, hey, the prophet says we need to kill the Jews. Okay. Then Hamas carries this out. And for good measure, they don't just kill them, they rape and torture them. Then when Israel pursues the killers, and not only that, warns civilians to get out of harm's way, Hamas uses them as human shields, and then people like Cory Bush accuse
1: Israel of ethnic cleansing. It's, it's the height of absurdity. And you're right, that's exactly what they accuse them of. Uh, they're saying it's uh it's apartheid. It's the uh, ethnic cleansing of of Palestinians, and um, and this is an argument I've heard for several years. I have some very uh, old, close uh, Palestinian friends that um, w- would share that with me, and I never understood honestly. Uh, and I would tell them, "Look, I really don't have a dog in this fight. Uh, I-, I don't get this argument. It-, it was very confusing to me, and uh, it- it's it seems more clear today with their chance of." you know from the river to the sea and all of this other stuff that they've got that the goal in that same charter you're talking about this constitution if you will the covenant of Hamas uh is very clear on their goal is to eliminate the existence of Israel and uh and in, in so much as i know i've never heard uh of Israel's existence to be to eliminate any people
5: it, it, this is a really simple thought experiment rich Imagine what would happen if Hamas put down their weapons. There would immediately be peace. But if Israel put down their weapons, the entire nation would be slaughtered or driven from their homes, period. We know who the aggressors are here. And all of the complex geopolitical back and forth falls apart when you just step back and look at the big picture. Hey, whose mission is it to kill the others? Who's doing that? Who is the aggressor here?
1: Yep, excellent point. Uh, Jim Agresti, I've mentioned the website and, and the uh, social media handle a couple of times, but let everybody know how they could support the work that you're doing at Just Facts.
5: Sure. So if you come to our website at JustFacts.com, and we have a couple of different websites you can access from there with a, with a wealth of information on many different issues, I would suggest signing up for our email. It's the surest way to receive what we publish, we don't inundate you. It's, it's a once a week thing, but these big tech sensors and even those that are even handed only let about 5% max of our subscribers see each thing we publish. So that's the surest way to get on board with what we're publishing. And if, uh, you feel our information as a value, man, we'd appreciate a donation. Uh, we are, we run on a shoestring budget and, uh, Your money goes a long way when you invest with us.
1: Outstanding, folks. uh, Make sure you check out the website, justfacts.com. Sign up for their newsletter and uh, keep in touch with them. I always do. They always have some of the best data out there. Uh, Jim Agresti, like always, excellent conversation, and I want to thank you for being here tonight, sir.
5: Rich, I thank you for uh, having me on. really appreciate it.
1: Likewise. You are a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. I hope to talk to you again soon, Jim. Feelings mutual. All right. God bless. Folks, we're coming right back with your calls and more on what's going on in the daytime here on America at Night.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S.
1: Valdez. All right, America, welcome back. And the attack on Israel continues. We were just conversing with Jim Agresti about how Corey Bush and the rest of the squad are out there saying that this is an ethnic cleansing on, on the people uh, in Gaza. However, um, the exact argument can be made by the Israelis who are the ones that were attacked here. <laughs> and it just it it never ceases to amaze me how this back and forth goes and something that um uh i find uh, interesting is that you've got <clears throat> the um Pramila Jayapal on Meet the Press right and uh, you've heard her in the past uh congresswoman Jayapal she's um she's said the most outlandish things out there and um, she, the first thing she says here is that when she called Israel a racist state, what she meant was that their government was carrying out racist policies. That's uh, exactly what it sounds like, right? <laughs> it was a, it's like, I, when I called you a killer, what I meant is that you're a murderer and you kill people. <laughs> it seemed like she meant exactly what she said. Listen to this.
7: Let me ask you about some of your comments. You have characterized Israel as a, quote, racist state. After a backlash, you clarified that you don't believe the existence of Israel is racist, but that the government engages in racist policies. Can you explain clearly what do you mean by that, Congresswoman? Well, Kristen, I clarified this right away, not after a backlash, within 12 hours of making the statement. I clarified that what I meant is that the existence of Israel is absolutely legitimate. And I think the world has come to see it as legitimate. However, there are racists within the Netanyahu government and there are racist policies that Israel has been carrying out. I think it is important for us to recognize that we need to be able to criticize. The policies of the Israeli government and uh, and not be called anti-Semitic. I I really believe the conversation is changing in a way that is not helpful. And let me say this, too, that at the end of the day, the the president and the United States is absolutely. Uh, responsible because we also have been the largest military backer of aid to Israel. Yeah. We need to be able to question where U.S. taxpayer dollars are going and what accountability the United States has in ensuring, for example, that when the president calls for Israel to uh, adhere to the international yeah. laws of war, that they actually are. Are doing that. Otherwise, we are complicit in a way that almost no other country in the world is.
1: So there is uh, Pramila Jayapal making it very clear that she feels the United States is involved in a racist government in the Middle East. Now, she doesn't clarify what these acts of racism are uh, against um, wh- whomever she's alleging these acts of racism are alleged against. Uh, but It seems to me that I don't know if she just wants to end the uh, aid to Israel, which is very likely, or B, that she wants to include maybe diversity, equity and inclusion uh, programs or a a caveat attached to any aid that we give saying, look, you have to promise to spend it in a non-racist manner. And I'm not saying that the Israelis are racist. I'm just saying I think the real reason here of tying in this, this talking point that this is a, there are racists within the Netanyahu government is in order to galvanize support back home, right? This is exactly how the communists did it. You find an issue that works, and then you beat that drum until you can't anymore. So now you say anybody who's got a grievance against racism— uh, raise your hand. Well, guess what? We've got racists in Israel. If Israel has racists and there's racists in the United States, well, now we have uh, brothers in solidarity, comrades in arms, if you will. And now you've got an entire movement of people. And isn't it funny how the entire Black Lives Matter movement has turned into a pro-Hamas movement in just a matter of days, a matter of weeks since this uh, this conflict has started? It doesn't surprise me at all because that's how it's always worked. So... Uh, we're going to continue our discussions on what's going on in Israel and Palestine and everything else. Uh, I also want to talk a little bit about Trump and the gag order on Trump and all of the the craziness. Uh, it seems like the judge is, is flirting with her own law, right, where she she's representing the interpretation of this law. And she wants to uh, put a gag order on Trump. He said he doesn't think it's anything. She writes back and says, you're not the only one that's got a right to a, a fair trial. So do I. So do we. So does the prosecution. You know, everybody has a right to a fair trial and they're fining him five grand. Now they want to fine him 10 grand and and they just want to keep fining him. The reason they don't want to put him in jail, but they threaten to put him in jail is because imagine them being the judge that puts a former president in jail for saying something, right? Oh, boy, that would be it. Something like Jack Smith deranged. I don't know if they do that. They're, in my opinion, destroying the rule of law in this country. Rich Valdez coming right back. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media, your liberty-loving Latino amigo. Happy to be here with you this Monday night. If you want to join our late-night National Town Hall conversation, feel free to do it. 833-4825-337, 833 valdez And I am with you straight till 1 a.m. tonight, continuing our conversation on everything that's going on. Uh, the... UAW strike is ending as a tentative deal has been reached with GM. I probably won't talk about that later because that's a story that doesn't interest me much, but maybe we'll get to it during open phones if you guys are interested. And uh, of course, the Iranian proxies continue attacking U.S. troops in the Middle East, even despite a couple of drones uh, that were sent, uh, a couple of rockets sent their way. Nothing uh, relenting there. Uh, Speaker Johnson says it's very likely Biden competed impeachable offenses, and um, he's going to continue to follow the facts there. And John Kirby took to the mic today to talk about uh, the the craziness. There was uh, a lot of a lot of protesting, a lot of attacks. Uh, what you're hearing in the background there is the sound of uh, pro-Hamas agitators um, accosting people uh, that were coming off of a flight uh, from from um, Israel, landing in Moscow. And of course, uh, the Russians did nothing uh, about any of this. And uh, Kirby weighed in on this. Listen to this. A chilling demonstration of hate, bigotry, intimidation. Some people have compared it to the pogroms of the late 19th and early 20th
7: century. And I think that's Probably an apt description, uh, given the, given that video that we've seen out there.
1: Now Kirby went on uh, to to add that uh, this is typical of the Russian government. Listen to this. Isn't that sweet? Um, uh, <laughs> it's classic Russian rhetoric, isn't it? Uh,
7: when something goes like uh, bad in your country, you just blame somebody else. Blame it on outside influences. Um, The West had nothing to do with this. This is just hate, bigotry and intimidation, pure and simple. And a good leader, a decent leader would call it out for what it is, the way President Biden has called it out here in this country instead of blaming the West.
1: Blaming the West. Look, uh, I I agree. I rarely agree with John Kirby, but I will say I think he's right on this one. This is uh, hate. And in some situations, people are justifying the hate and it's happening all over. Last week there was that story that broke out in New York City, uh, you know, my my first uh, college I ever attended was NYU and just down the street was Cooper Union and a bunch of kids in Cooper Union got locked into their library after again pro Hamas agitators uh were were coming at them. And they they locked themselves in for their own safety. And it's fascinating because, you know, the Biden administration says that they're tracking the anti-Semitism on college campuses and that the, that the administration's gonna do everything it can to make students feel safe. Uh, but I don't believe a word they say when they say that. I want you to listen to Karine Jean-Pierre, check this out.
7: We have seen an alarming rise in reported anti-Semitic incidents at schools and on college campuses. There's no place for hate in America, and we condemn any anti-Semitic threat or incident in the strongest in the strongest terms.
1: Now, uh, Karine Jean-Pierre, KJP, says that they're not going to condone uh, this; they're not going to condone that. But again, Jewish students at uh, a college, the Cooper Union, here in New York City, uh, were. Locked inside the school library just a few days ago, as the uh, pro Hamas rally moved through the building, protesters were banging on the doors and chanting "Free, Free Palestine." And uh, the students made their own video, and it went viral. It was all over the place. You probably heard the story. We talked about it briefly on on, on the air last week. But I wanted to um, connect with a with an old friend, an old colleague of mine, who's been a professor in New York City and understands anti Semitism like no one else does because he's been at the at, at the He's the tip of the spear when it comes to this stuff, honestly, uh, and he's been out there very outspoken and 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 forward on the issue. And his nephew was one of those uh, locked in the library. I want to bring in uh, my good friend, Professor Jeffrey Lax. Welcome, sir. Rich, it's so good to hear
6: your voice and so good to speak to you.
1: Likewise. So, Jeff Lax, tell us, um, I mean, you know, we got some time here. Uh, we don't have to rush through it, but. What's your reaction to some of the audio you just heard?
6: Well, first of all, let me just say, we haven't, uh, the audience doesn't know. We, we know each other back from the days when you weren't 17 miles away from Madison Square Garden. You were actually atop Madison Square Garden. That was right, Square 17 garden. floors above the garden, right? Uh, yep, and I used to call you the hardest working man in radio, and I, I think that has paid off. I, I take so much pride and pleasure watching your success. So I just want to say congratulations to you on that
1: and thank continue you. to
6: success to you. Um, so anyway, I'm sorry. So your question, your, well, can you repeat your question?
1: Yeah, no, I was just saying you heard, uh, thank you for your kind words, but I, 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 you heard some audio play, whether it was the stuff happening in Russia and Moscow or Karine Jean-Pierre saying, we're paying attention to what's going on in college campuses. Meanwhile, you know, you, you, the, the situation you've had with your own family and what we're seeing unfold in New York City. What's your reaction to all of that? Yeah,
6: I mean, it's, It's horrifying um, that the word, the H word is going around again. Is it it possible? Is it possible? Is it conceivable that there could be another Holocaust in our lifetime? I mean, I come from Holocaust surviving grandparents. um, And to see now the next generation, my nephew, who's who's a teenager, and I I can't say his name on the air, and uh, I would have liked to have had him come on the air with you directly, but um, he's in the process of getting legal representation. Uh, you, said it, you said it very well. He was barricaded in the library while these lunatic anti-Semites were surrounding the library, banging on the library door, trying to get into the library, because there were uh, a bunch of different Jewish students uh, locked in there with my nephew. Um, and then there was a passageway uh, that some people have seen on, on video, you can find video uh, online of this, uh, where there's like a glass um, a glass hallway, and they were banging on the glass and yelling things like, uh, I think you, you mentioned one of the tropes, and they were also yelling, globalize the intifada. Globalize the intifada is basically kill kill the Jews, kill all the Jews. And so my nephew was stuck in that library, and to his credit, I got to tell you, I am so proud of him because uh, the president of the school, who was a coward and should be fired immediately, first of all, when the October 7th attacks on Israel, the, the rapings of women, the beheadings, the beheadings, I can't, it's, it's so hard to say it, I'm forcing myself to say it, of babies, and they burned babies alive, Rich. And we all, we've all heard this, but like, I want people to right. hear it every time they listen to this topic. Um, this president failed to condemn Hamas for doing that. And my nephew, I'm so proud of him, was one of a bunch of students that wrote a letter um, basically demanding that she come out and say something, you know, in in the name of human decency. You don't have to like Jews. Just just be someone who cares about humanity. Um, And finally, she eventually relented and issued some kind of a statement. But But I want to tell you, that day when these horrible uh, lunatics were threatening my nephew and his, and, his, and his student colleagues, there was apparently like a tunnel way that exited the library, like a secret you know, passageway uh, that exited the, library. I'm not familiar with Cooper Union. The president herself escaped through the tunnel way. She went out the back way, wanted to avoid everything. My nephew, To the contrary, and his friends, and he was, I believe, one of the de facto leaders of the group, said, there is no way I am walking and cowering and and hiding from these people. He said, I am walking right out the front door. And so when security finally came, that's exactly what he did. He he held his head high, and he walked right out the front door because he wanted those people to see him walking out the front door proud as a proud Jewish uh student at Cooper Union
1: Well outstanding Jeffrey Lax I mean uh, kudos to him I'm glad he took the stand that he did and it's a shame to see what what's occurred with the um with the uh pro Hamas um agitators at Cooper Union and in other places and and ultimately I think we see a lot of this it continues to to rear its ugly head uh, I want to g- continue to get your take on what you're seeing coming from college campuses. Of course, uh, you've taught at City University of New York, Columbia University and others. Uh, uh, you've had a career as an attorney. And I want you to weigh in on some of the anti-Semitism you've seen throughout your career and what and how it's comparing to what you've seen uh, in the last two or three weeks, which to me, I think, is is over the top. So, folks, stick around. We're on with Professor Jeffrey Lacks. He's a professor of political science at Columbia University And a friend of the program, we're coming right back. Don't move a muscle.
0: This is America at Night with Rich
8: Valdez.
0: This is America. This is Night. This is Rich Valdez.
6: cowardly. I think he's uh, uh, not acting in the role as a member of Congress. I think he's shown himself to be very emotional. Like most cowardly people, when you confront them, they're afraid. Um, I'm unafraid of the guy. And If he wants to call us despicable, I'm saying he's a coward and he's a punk. And he should remember why the people sent him here. And if he wants to play some kind of tough guy or gangster, we can handle it like gentlemen and we can get into
2: something else.
1: That's a Representative Andre Carson, Congressman Andre Carson from Indiana, said we could handle it like gentlemen or we could get it to something else. Sounds like a threat to me. Uh, but uh, he's talking about his colleague, Josh Gottheimer, a Democrat from New Jersey. So you've got two Democrats here. And uh, Gottheimer had called them out uh, for voting against a resolution supporting Israel. And that was their response. You heard it loud and clear. He said cowardly. I think he's not acting in the role as a member of Congress. I think he's shown himself to be very emotional, like most cowardly people. When you confront them, they're afraid. I'm unafraid of the guy. And uh, that was Andre Carson. Sound like fighting words to me. Jeff Lax, what do you think? Well, it's an
6: absolute disgrace that we have gotten to the point in this country where you can have double-digit members of Congress voting against the only democracy in the Middle East, our our strongest ally in the Middle East. Again, it doesn't have to be a Jewish thing. It is outrageous that these people are voting against Western values. That's what they're doing. They are voting against Western values. They're voting against freedom. They're voting against democracy. They're voting against everything that our country was founded on when they do things like that. It's disgusting.
1: It truly is. Now, when, when, when we look at this overall, when you look at, um, uh, and again, I'm not saying that uh, Congressman Carson is an anti-Semite, uh, but but I will say this um, anti-Israel sentiment uh, seems to be happening more and more often in more and more places. And uh, I mentioned earlier that, you know, you, you've had your run-ins with anti-Semitism in New York City more than once. Uh, how do you... Th- feel like the current state of affairs is? Do you feel like it's par for the course the way it's always been for you? Or do you feel like it's uh, out of control?
6: I think we're all in the same boat. I don't think there's anything unique to me. I don't think there's anything special about me. I think Jews right now are scared. I think Jewish students on campuses are scared. Uh, The group I I founded, which I'm a co-founder of, Safe Campus, Students and Faculty for Equality on Campus, We get calls from parents and students constantly uh, whether they should send their kids to school on certain days where there might be a pro Hamas rally that day or or whether there might be some type of agitation uh, from people who hate Jews. And and we're seeing it every day. You can't avoid it in the news. I mean, you're seeing what happens across campuses, across the nation. Uh, So Jews, I think, across the country, students, especially on campus are scared. You heard, uh, what Jared Kushner said today, that it's safer to be a Jew in Saudi Arabia right now than it is to be a Jew on a college campus. That is scary. Now, I don't know if that's true, but the fact that that's even a discussion is incredibly scary. That's not, we can't be there.
1: Yeah, I agree. And, uh, There's a lot of um, it's to me, it seems like there's a lot more anti-Semitism coming out of college campuses. And again, the White House recognizing that again. Check this out
7: to the students at Cornell and on campuses across the country. We're tracking these threats closely. We're thinking of you and we're going to do everything we can on both at Cornell and across the country.
1: Of course, that's White House Secretary, uh, Press Secretary, Karine Jean-Pierre. Uh, Professor Jeffrey Lacks, do you believe what you're hearing from the White House?
6: Uh, absolutely not. And, and I would urge everyone to go out there and read Mark Levin's book, American Marxism, because mm-hmm. that's where this anti-Semitism comes from. A lot of people don't realize, if, if you go out and, and read uh, a comment by Karl Marx, a lot of people don't realize that one of the main foundations of Marxism was the destruction and the annihilation of Judaism. Uh, he hated Judaism. He hated. He called uh, money the jealous god of the Jews. There, there's a lot of quotes that are attributed to Marx that people think Hitler said, but actually it was Karl Marx who said it. And the if you if you look at the people who are protesting, who are who are actually supporting uh, Hamas and protesting Israel and protesting Zionist Jews here in America they're Marxists. The faculty members doing this are overwhelmingly Marxist. They actually, at my, at my campus, at my university, they celebrate Karl Marx's birthday every year. There's a huge swath of faculty who wow. celebrate Karl Marx's birthday every year. Now, why Marx? You have to ask yourself, why not communism in general? You want to be a communist? You want to be a lunatic who doesn't know how the world works and support communism? Okay. But why Marx? There's a reason why it's Marx, and it's Marx specifically because Marx, even though he was Jewish, hated Jews, hated Judaism and wanted it annihilated. And that was a big part of Marxism. And so I would urge Corinne Jean-Pierre to look at history and the president to look at history and understand what Marxism was and how many people, how many Jews died because of it.
1: Now, Jeff Lacks, um, you've... um you've experienced this stuff. I said for for years, I know that you've been uh, in and around this stuff, which is why you started safe campus and and you've been outspoken on these issues. If people want to um, learn more about the work that you're doing, uh, how do they find you? How do they follow you?
6: I appreciate that rich very much. And you can go to Twitter where we have almost about 8,000 followers now in just a couple of years. We've been active. Uh, It's at underscore safe campus at underscore campus follow us all we ask is for people to support us by following us because it's in numbers and it's only when good people stand up can we prevent all this evil from happening and that's what we're trying to do
1: yeah amen to that and uh what do you think about the 2024 i mean we only have about 30 seconds but uh what do you think happens in 2024 mike pence is out it looks like trump is is probably going to nail this do you think he runs against biden do you think they replace biden what say you I've been saying this for
6: three years. There is no way Biden runs. I don't know who's going to run. It's not going to be Biden. That's my prediction.
1: <laughs> All right, Jeff Lax, Professor Jeffrey Lax, Columbia University. Thank you very much. You're a gentleman, a scholar and a patriot. God bless. Love you, Rich. You too, you, too my friend. All right, folks, we're coming right back with me, Rich Valdez. More to come. Don't go anywhere.
9: be on your show rich it's just an amazing broadcast that i hope the rest of america listens
4: to
7: every day
0: america at
4: night with rich valdez Judge Tanya Chukin has reinstated her gag order on Donald Trump, meaning that the ex-president is once again barred from making remarks targeting prosecutors, witnesses or court staff. New York Times also notes this, quote, in making her decision, the judge also denied a request by Trump's lawyers to freeze the gag order for what could have been a considerably longer period saying it can remain in effect as the federal appeals court in Washington reviews it. Judge Chuckin's move is the latest chapter, what has become a protracted legal battle between special counsel Jack Smith and Donald Trump, with incredibly high stakes.
1: That's uh, Nicole Wallace from uh, MSNBC explaining what's going on with um, the gag order on Trump. We had uh, Judge Engeron, uh if that's his name, he, he fined... Trump, I think it was $5,000. Now they want to talk about a $10,000 fine and all sorts of things are happening. And again, it's not a, these are well, the New York trials, a civil trial. And the, the idea, as far as I understand it, is that we're not supposed to limit anybody's speech or put a gag order on their speech unless they're intimidating witnesses um, or, you know, somehow affecting the case. Trump again, He's blasting the prosecutor. So I want to get to the bottom of this to to make sure we give this a fair shake uh, with Abraham Hamaday. He's a former captain in the United States Army Reserve and intelligence officer, as well as a former prosecutor. And he's a candidate for Congress in Arizona's 8th District. Abe Hamaday, welcome, sir.
9: Good to be with you, Rich.
1: Yes, sir. So when you hear this this report uh, coming from MSNBC about the gag order, what's your initial reaction to that?
9: Well, it's exactly what's been going on. Why they're doing this is they're trying to silence President Trump. I mean, as you mentioned, it's not just at the federal case with Jack Smith, uh, the one that Tanya Chukin is doing. It's also in the New York civil uh, civil case. So uh, this one is particularly interesting in Jack Smith's case because, you know, even the ACLU has criticized it and actually yeah. tried. So it's it's it kind of. It's, it's so fascinating to watch how these judges, you know, they're very, I mean, these judges are compromised, but trying to unpretzel themselves and trying to silence President Trump because they know it gives an unfair advantage to Biden. So you're seeing Jack Smith and his federal prosecutors leaking so many of, this, uh, of the trial out to the press, and they want to not respond, not respond to witnesses where these witnesses, one of them is, potentially Bill Barr, who constantly goes on TV and criticizes President Trump. And they want Trump to just sit there in silence. So it's, it's really, this is election interference. It's, it's very obvious. And, you know, Rich, just to, to, for your listeners to realize what's happening, this time last year, President Trump was not under a single indictment. But what we've seen since March is now there's four. And the the it's going to accelerate the the injustice is going to accelerate as we move on the campaign trail and especially as President Trump's poll numbers increase. But this gag order is unlike anything I've seen, where you know it, it's done in a preemptive way, but they're trying to use his truth social posts as 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 in indicative of, of his behavior, and uh, it's really allowing the government to have free reign to talk about this case and use their media surrogates to. To taint this case and have Trump just sit in silence, because I think what it really comes down to is they realize President Trump has a has a powerful voice with the people, and they they want the people to be kept in the dark. But you know, I, I was pleased to see the ACLU join on President Trump's side because the ACLU has definitely, you know, they, they have definitely not been serving the interests of free speech in in, in many years uh, and a lot of our constitutional rights, but to see them join on Trump's side just just shows you how absurd the gag order that Jack Smith wanted imposed and that, that the judge did impose is is that is, is completely unjust.
1: Now, Abe Hamide, again, um, in your experience as a prosecutor, you, you said you've never seen anything like this. Um, is this uh, again, trying to play the devil's advocate here? Is this because maybe Mark Meadows and uh, Bill Barr might be uh, witnesses here? And they've they've made comments about Trump that this is out of the norm because you've got these public figures going at one public figure and then Trump being that public figure going back at them. Uh, Is that one way that they're trying to justify this or has this just never happened before?
9: Well, they're trying to use any justification because on legal grounds it failed. And that's why even the ACLU again, this is united. You know people on opposite ends of the political spectrum but with mark meadows Mm -hmm. particularly you had the media claim that he's turned on president trump and then you have mark meadows own legal team uh refuting that so you're seeing this jack smith and his the prosecutors are feeding this type of narrative to the media and the media runs with it and even mark meadows refutes it and what do you expect president trump to do of course president trump is going to comment on it so you know, the, it, this is a high-profile case, but that doesn't change the law. It doesn't change the the, the facts. So, to see this judge uh, willingly disregard the law right now, it, it, it's it's very damaging to the legal system. But our legal system has been damaged uh, in many ways to go after President Trump. I mean, this is this is just one of his court cases on top of the many others. And you know, as you know, he's in col he was in Colorado today. the the court case to try to keep him off the ballot. So, you know, President oh, yeah. Trump has faced multidimensional war, lawfare that the Democrats are, are going after. And they're trying to come off the ballot. They're trying to silence his voice. You know, the Democrats are playing very smart. This is what they do. They're very nasty. And, you know, unfortunately, we have complicit judges who, you know, they, they know what team they play for. And uh, that's what you're seeing with this. But it's not rooted in any legal basis. And that's even the ACLU was opposed to it.
1: Folks, we're on with Abe Hamadeh, former prosecutor, intelligence officer in the United States Army and candidate for Congress in Arizona's 8th District. And Abe Hameday, um one of uh, President Obama's uh, former solicitor generals, uh, Neil Katyal, he was on MSNBC yesterday. And he says mm-hmm. that it's absolutely imperative that they put Trump in jail for violating the gag order. I want you to listen to this quick clip. I think that there's no doubt
10: in my mind that there will be a gag order imposed on Donald Trump, and there's also no doubt in my mind that he's going to violate it repeatedly, repeatedly, to the point where a judge is going to have to confront the ultimate question, are we going to put the former president in jail? And I think there's only one answer to that. Which? What is your answer? Which is you have to. I mean, if he continues this behavior, no other litigant in this country would ever be able to do what he's doing. And judges, I don't care what your politics are, the one thing you want understand is if you put on that
1: robe is it's about the legitimacy of the court and about the judicial process. So Abe Hamaday, this is about the legitimacy of the court and the judicial process, right? No, the legitimacy
9: of our (laughs) legal system is uh, collapsing every single day. But they really just showed their true intentions right there. I mean, they they really do want to jail President Trump prior to the 2024 election. And you're seeing that in the New York civil trial where they're imposing $10,000 fines on violations of the gag order supposedly now you're seeing i mean the judge by with this this broad gag order essentially is gonna is basically cornering president trump into you know neil is right in some ways it's he's gonna be forced to go to jail if he can't defend himself in the media or or in the public just communicating so in some ways, you know, they just they just express exactly what they're trying to do versus you have President Biden right now, who's able to talk about this case, who's able to talk about 2020, the, the, the election, and they talk about 2024. So it, it's, you know, they're really showing what their true intentions are right now. It's, and they're trying to act like no other litigant uh, would be would, would 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 bother to be in jail on this. But. No other litigant has been treated the way President Donald Trump has been treated, and I think that's what you know for your listeners to re- understand what's happening is the full weight of the federal government is being brought on President Donald Trump. President Donald Trump is innocent until proven guilty. The burden is on the government, but the way that the judge and way the media has been handling it, and they all know they're trying to force they're trying to force President Trump to say something and to to lash out, and they want to jail him. So. They're imposing these type of gag orders. It's a trap. It's a complete trap. But, you know, they're he's already guilty in their mind. So to them, they're just going through this process knowing that they already know the end result. They just don't want him to be expressing it. But we already know it's a rigged system going into it.
1: Folks, we're on with Abraham Hamaday. Uh, he's a candidate for Congress in Arizona's 8th District, and we're going to get his take on some of what the Democrats are saying and uh, a little bit more about his campaign straight ahead. Our phone number, 833-482-5337, 833-4valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S.
10: you rich and thank you for everything i know you very well and i have i listen but i have a lot of people that listen and they love your
11: show and i appreciate it very
3: much
0: america at night with rich valdez
3: considering what you are laying out as your achievements Mm -hmm. you have the current front runner for the gop donald trump facing what 91 criminal charges i've lost count yet the Biden-Harris ticket is running neck and neck with Donald Trump. Why are you not 30 points ahead?
4: Well, I'm not, I'm not a political pundit, so I, I, I'm not going to speak to that. But what I will say is this. When the American people are able to take a close look at election time on their options, I think the choice is going to be clear. Bill, we're going to win. Let me just tell you that. We're going to win. And I'm not saying it's going to be easy, but we will win.
3: You say that with such conviction.
4: I have no doubt, but I also have no doubt it's going to be a lot of work. And everyone's going to have to participate. This is a democracy.
1: Now, Abe Hamadeh is a a retired captain in the United States Army. He was an intel officer, a former prosecutor, and he's a candidate for Congress. Um, Abe Hamadeh, when you hear the uh, vice president of the United States, who I like to call Kemal Aedes. When you hear uh, vice president Kemal Aedes talk about uh, how she's going to win, she's going to win. And even though she's not 30 points ahead, what's your reaction to that?
9: Well, <laughs> she sounded like she was on drugs to be honest, Rich. <laughs> but uh, you know, the, the Democrats in many ways, you know, I've, I felt this in my election, right? I mean, we're still contesting my election where we lost by 280 votes out of 2.5 million, in oh, many right. ways, in many ways, they've they've perfected the cheating, Rich, uh, the mail-in ballots that go on. You know, so they feel very comfortable in saying that, you know, they they can win right now. But I think they're getting worried because if you actually look at the polling, President Trump is doing much better than in 2020 right now. And look how narrow that election was in 2020. If you if you accept everything as legitimate, which I I certainly don't, but it's the confidence of them is frightening because I think they're trying to, they're attacking President Trump in the legal system. And why would they then be in Colorado today trying to remove President Trump from the ballot? So uh, they're scared. They're scared of President Trump. They're scared of his supporters. Uh, So so, looking at you know how these battleground states are shaping out, I mean, President Trump is neck and neck or ahead in Pennsylvania, in Michigan, in Wisconsin. These these are states that traditionally have been Democrat, but President Trump has been able to speak to the to the common man, and you know I think so many people resonate right now with President Trump if they just look at their wallets, if they look at the the world, if they look at their cities, and they say, actually, President Trump was a great president. And it's a lot better than what we've got now. I mean, we're on the cusp of World War III, Rich. With everything going on in Israel, our border is completely open. And now you have New York and Chicago. So many of these cities actually feeling the brunt of the illegal immigrants uh, crisis. So so before, a lot of this was, you know, it was hidden. But thanks to the work of a lot of these governors by, by sending these illegals in cities, now it's finally eye-opening. So I think she doesn't have an answer because they, she knows the policies that Democrats espouse are creating destruction, chaos, and misery Mm -hmm. everywhere they go. Look at San Francisco, look at Los Angeles, Chicago, New York. Um, but you know, it's, it's interesting because in many ways, you know, you would have never expected that Chicago could have elected a mayor worse than Lori Lightfoot, but in fact they (laughs) did. So, uh, you know, it's, I think people are waking up at, at a much uh, much more accelerated pace than ever before, and I credit a lot of that to Elon Musk, to be quite honest. I think him purchasing Twitter, now X, has been quite revolutionary. And isn't it sad, Rich, that it required a, a South African immigrant billionaire to save free speech? But that's actually what happened. So, um, mm-hmm. you know, Kamala Harris and the Biden administration, I think they they recognize their policies are disastrous, and they have the media the media is propping up this administration i mean it's it's very clear i mean any other administration would have been you know they don't if you look at the white press conferences i mean they're not asking tough questions they provide cover for them so kamala in many ways feels comfortable because they know they yeah. have the media apparatus being able to provide cover and you know this whole bidenomics idea where you know they say the gdp just increased by five percent everybody knows our dollar is being devalued in real time. They, they feel it at the grocery stores. They, you know, they feel it whenever they're shopping. So, you know, the, the voters are waking up, but I think they feel comfortable because they know they control a lot of the election processes, a lot of the courts, and, and unfortunately, they control a lot of the media. So that's why they feel comfortable. But, you know, it feels a lot like 2016 to me, to be quite honest.
1: Abe Hamadeh, I want to talk about your race uh, for Arizona's 8th Congressional District. Uh, let everybody know why you're running. We're going to do that straight ahead. Folks, we're on with Abe Hamadeh, and we're going to learn about his campaign. We're going to give you the website and all of that straight ahead. Don't move a muscle.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833 833- for Valdez. That's 833 482 5337. 833 4 Valdez. That's Valdez with an S.
1: he's running for Congress in Arizona, 8th District, Abraham Hamadeh, former Army Reserve Captain, Intelligence Officer, Prosecutor, and now candidate for Congress. Abraham Hamadeh, tell us all about it.
9: Thank you, Rich. You know, uh, running for office for the first time last year for Attorney General with, you know, Kerry Lake going for governor, it was eye-opening, and I had just gotten back from my deployment, and to, you know, in many ways, I no longer recognize our country. And, you know, I was the youngest statewide candidate last go round, and I'm still young. I know this is my generation's fight. And if you just see what's going on around the world where, you know, I've served overseas in places where the people are treated like subjects, where they're left with no voice, and, and, and they're hopeless. And my family came from places like Syria and Venezuela. So I've seen how quickly Marxist revolution transformations occur. And, I'm deeply concerned what's going on in our country is is exactly what we're going through. So right now, more than ever, we need backup. We need we need people with strong convictions. We we need people with a spine. And, uh, you know, it's something I've been going through this past year, fighting my election lawsuit, fighting for secure elections, fighting for uh, to give the the people their voice back. It's been uh, I gained decades of knowledge in this last year, and I can't wait to bring that to Congress. But. I'm very blessed right you know, right when I announced my campaign last week, we got endorsed by by Kerry Lake, who's who's a fantastic friend of mine. We got endorsed by Rick Renell, Cash Patel and Robert O'Brien and Bernie Carrick, you know, so many of these fighters who have who have been put through the ringer. So in many ways I'm battle tested and I can't wait to go to Congress because I know President Trump's gonna need backup to come November twenty twenty four in order to make America great again. So I'm honored to continue to be in this fight and and I can't wait for for what the future holds because I still believe America's worth fighting for. And I know I refuse to be known as the generation that lost our country. You know, we're gonna be known as the generation that saves America. So I encourage Abraham everybody Hamide, to
1: Let everybody know how they can donate to your campaign. Absolutely. They can go to uh, Abe4AZ.com. Abe for
9: azcom Abe A B E for A Z
1: Outstanding, folks. That's Abraham Hamaday. Abe, I want to thank you. You're a gentleman, a scholar, and a patriot. Godspeed to you, sir. Thank you, Rich. You bet, folks. Check him out at Abe A B E for A Z dot com. Open Phone America. Coming up next with me, Rich Valdez. Hi there, good evening, and what's up, America? I am Rich Valdez, Valdez with an S, at Rich Valdez on all of the social media. Happy Monday to you. Welcome to the program. If you want to join us on the program, this is your shot. The third and final hour of the program is Open Phone America, where we take calls from everybody all across the country on our hundreds of affiliates. Happy to hear from each and every one of you. And the number is 833-482-5337. Eight three three four valdez is the phone number. And I mentioned earlier that the UAW, the United Auto Workers, strike has ended. They've uh, tentatively reached a deal with General Motors. So uh, happy that that's happened. Um, Iran and their proxies continue attacking U.S. troops in the Middle East. You've got the new speaker, Mike Johnson. Uh, he's got this big to-do list, but he says that, yes, it's very likely that Biden committed impeachable offenses. And uh, we're going to see where the, the facts lead us on that in uh, impeachment inquiry and where it goes with that investigation. So we'll see. I'm not sure that we're at, to the point where we have an impeachment hearing yet, uh, but we will keep our uh, ears open, our eyes peeled, et cetera, et cetera. And. and now the White House is urging uh, members of Congress to uh, promote war efforts uh, overseas as a potential economic boom here at home. (laughs) That's crazy. Uh, But yeah, I could see how the White House would uh, try to position that as somehow it's good for us to go to war overseas because that's good for us here in the United States. Crazy stuff that we hear, I got to tell you. And uh, let me see, There was another one that I wanted to mention here. Of course, Mike Pence has uh, dropped out of the race. Uh, And I played this a little earlier, this clip of audio. Uh, But Mike Pence has announced that he's out of the race. Listen to this. Traveling across
2: the country over the past six months, I came here to say it's become clear to me, this is not my time. So after much prayer and deliberation, I have decided to suspend my campaign for president effective today. Now I'm leaving this campaign, but let me promise you, I will never leave the fight for conservative values, and I will never stop fighting to elect principled Republican leaders to every office in the land. So help me God.
1: Well, thank you, Vice President Pence, for that announcement. And that was at the Republican Jewish Coalition Conference, saying that he's decided to uh, suspend his campaign uh, effective at the conference. Now, President Trump was also at the same Republican Jewish Coalition Conference, and he spoke to um, what's going on around the world and how, you know, he would defend this country Uh, having the opportunity and uh, here's a little bit of what President Trump had to say at that same conference check this when I'm back
11: in the White House America's enemies will now once again and they're gonna know it that if you try to kill our citizens we will kill you we will kill you I told them all that we had no problem You know, we had no problem three years ago. We had no problem for four years. Nobody even this is unthinkable. I mean, I just watch and see what's happening. It's unthinkable. This couldn't have happened. Mark couldn't have happened. Although you maybe were more deeply involved than anybody. But I don't think you even believed a thing like this could have happened. Mark, if you spill a drop of American blood, we will spill a gallon of yours.
1: If you spill a drop of American blood, we'll spill a gallon of yours. You see, it's that attitude that I believe every president of the United States should have, not just um, Donaldus Magnus El Trompito, the 45th president, but I also think Joe El Baboso Biden should have the same approach. Listen, I I would have a lot more respect for Joe Biden if he said things like that. You know, if he said, look, I'm for climate change, I'm pro-life, I'm all these other things, but if you spill a drop of American blood We'll spill a gallon of yours. I'd say, well, you know what? Hey, look, at least he's playing. He's playing for keeps. I might disagree with him on a lot of stuff, but at least he's keeping the country safe and he's doing the right thing. But no, they turn their back on Americans all over the place. And then they blame our enemies. Uh, well, I should say they blame our allies and side with our enemies. I mean, the stuff that we're seeing coming out of this administration, the Biden-Harris administration is absolutely crazy. Uh, now, Kamala Harris, she's on 60 Minutes yesterday. Big interview with Bill Whitaker. And uh, CBS must have had huge ratings boons there, right? They should they probably threw the roof with their ratings. I'm kidding. Uh, maybe they did. Who knows? I mean, I would have if I would have known it was on, I would have tuned in to watch it. I totally didn't know that was happening uh, because I'm sure it was beginning to end nonstop laughs. It's Kamala Harris, everybody. Kamala Harris. Uh, anyway. I want to get to uh, Kemal Ayres. We're going to get to her in the next segment. I want to talk about uh, some of her comments on the rules of war and what's going on with Israel. I also want to remind you of the phone number, 833-4-Valdez. And let me see. I want to get to a a phone call. Maybe I don't want to cut anybody short. Uh, So... I'm going to I'm going to hold that for the next segment. Of course, if you missed any portion, if you missed any portion, any interview that we conducted uh, tonight or any other night that you liked, you can listen to them again for free. Share them with your friends. Download them. Do whatever you want. You can even subscribe to the podcast for free. All you do is go to richvaldesamericaatnight.com. So if your local radio station decides to play a sports ball game. You know exactly what to do. Go to richvaldesamericatnight.com. You've missed something. You forgot something. You want to hear something a guest said over again. Uh, If it was one of the experts that we bring on and you want to share it with a friend, that's what you do. Go to richvaldesamericatnight.com. Many of you are already doing it. We see great gains in our numbers on the podcast, on the replays, and I'm grateful for that. Uh, But I want you to know it's there for you as a resource, and I know I don't mention it enough Uh, I've got to become a better shameless self-promoter, and I promise you I will. And we're going to do that and your calls straight ahead. Don't move a muscle.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. Call now, 833-4-VALDEZ. That's 833-482-5337. 833-4-VALDEZ. That's Valdez with an S. Rich
3: Valdez. How close is this to becoming a regional conflict that could draw in U.S. troops?
4: We have absolutely no intention, nor do we have any plans to send combat troops into Israel or Gaza, period.
3: Vice President Harris told us the U.S. is not telling Israel what to do, but is providing advice, equipment, and diplomatic support.
4: A terrorist organization, Hamas, slaughtered hundreds of young people at a concert. By most estimates, at least 1,400 Israelis are dead. Israel, without any question, has a right to defend itself. That being said, it is very important that there be no conflation between Hamas and the Palestinians. The Palestinians deserve equal measures of safety and security, self-determination and dignity. And we have been very clear that the rules of war must be adhered to and that there be humanitarian aid that flows.
1: Of course, that's Vice President
4: Kemal Aere saying the rules of war
1: must be adhered to by Israel. And I've got to think, you know, Israel was recently attacked and of course is on their offensive now on the ground doing what they've got to do. But where is the admonition? Where is the admonishment uh, from Kamala Harris or Joe Biden saying, listen, Hamas, the rules of engagement, the rules of war must be adhered to when you're out there using hang gliders to go out there and and massacre these children. And when you're setting small villages on fire and torching uh, infant children while they're still alive, uh, why aren't they calling them out for that? I don't know. Maybe it's just me. Maybe I'm just a cynic. Let's go to San Francisco. Listening online, Rich Valdez, com. Let's check in with David. David, go right ahead.
10: Well, oh, thanks, Rich. Uh, in, uh, yeah, I was just trying to find the casualty count for Gaza, and the nearest I can get is one day ago when it was 8,000. So uh, I don't find it uh, very uh, religious for uh, Israel to be... I I think back to World War I when the Belgians would... a small town in Belgium and they would... uh, you have a local resistance and they would kill one German guard. Well, the next morning the Germans would round up uh, 20 citizens and shoot them to death in there. So, it was a 20 to 1 ratio. And that kind of junk happened in World War II also. So, when... Kamala Harris says how many hundreds or 1,400 uh, were killed on the first night. Well, we're up to 7,000 dead. They can't prove that they've been effective in rounding up Hamas. Hamas, well, what makes it uglier is they've discovered oil underneath Gaza. So the godforsaken land that the Israelis thought they could get rid of by slamming a bunch of Palestinians onto it, oops, all of a sudden there's oil underneath it they're gonna to try to drive them off again. Now, I think this is more of a merchants and the temple issue. Somebody claims that God gave them that land and that it's holy land. Well, all of a sudden, if some uh, hundreds of billions- Now, of
1: who dollars, is that somebody? Are you referring to somebody on the, um, the, the side of Hamas or somebody on the side of Israel?
10: Because it seems like what?
1: both of them are saying that to me.
10: The oil, uh, is the issue, and as far as I'm concerned, and that gets into merchants in the temple. You know. No, but you body?
1: said, you said that somebody's saying that God gave me this land. Who is that somebody, in your opinion?
10: Uh, well, that gets all back to Abraham, and then it gets into the definition of what is Israel. Is Israel a state of mind, or is Israel a, an actual territory? And, uh, and so, you know, it's the difference between the spoken word and the written word. Uh, what is Israel?
1: In your mind, what is Israel? Is it, do, you, do you ignore the fact that there's a country named Israel, or is this just rhetoric?
10: There, there's an Orthodox Jewish cult that claims that Israel goes to Palestine, or excuse me, to uh, Pakistan. You know how much territory is taken up all the way out to Pakistan. And and they, I mean, there's they're a cult of 12 people or something like that. But yeah, I mean, there are some, you know, biblical scholars or Torah scholars that claim that uh, the Holy Land goes all the way out to Pakistan. So, sure. Well, I'm know, sure
1: we could find people that say all sorts of things. But uh, I'm just saying it for the sake of our conversation here. Um, you're saying that there's, there's land there and that somebody, there's oil underneath this land, and you're saying that somebody is saying that God gave me this land. Are you saying that somebody is from the Palestinian side, uh, the Hamas side, or the um, Israeli side?
10: Are the Muslims from the family of Abraham? Yes, they are. It's just well, if you're talking Israel, about
1: is Ishmael, Christian, right?
10: Family of Abraham. So they all three religions stem from believing in the same Yahweh, God. Now, when, uh, when Yahweh is called into our presence and we got to talk the truth, you know, that's where it, it, it's the most important. Now, it's the Ten Commandments versus a big oil discovery. Now, are there going to be merchants in the temple?
1: I don't know. I don't know anything about this oil. It's the first I'm hearing of it.
10: Uh, It's a United Nations conference on trade and development. It's the 28th of uh, November of 2019. They do this big announcement that the problems with the Palestinians could be resolved by drilling for the oil underneath Gaza. And they mention hundreds of billions of dollars worth of oil down there.
1: Yeah. But Now, if we if we just pay attention and again, I don't want to I'm not trying to switch gears, but uh, this oil thing is interesting. I haven't heard anything about oil underneath uh, whatever. But that would make sense if the uh, folks from Hamas were just minding their business, um, making rockets and doing what they do. And then all of a sudden they were attacked at a left field by the Israelis. But that wasn't what happened. Right. It was these hang glider um, militants that came over the wall And killed a bunch of young people at a music festival. And then Israel turns around and says, uh, we're coming after you. And, I mean, it seems convenient that you're making this argument about um, oil beneath there. But it was in 2005 that Israel said, hey, look, here, take this land. So I'm just, the, the facts aren't matching up with the narrative that you're laying down, David.
10: Let's check out um, this music festival. Would MAGA people attack a nightclub in Austin, Texas?
1: You're going to have... I'm not that swift. I'm not the sharpest pencil here. You're going to have to really make your case quickly because we're running out of time.
10: Well, who was the shooter in Las Vegas? You know, were they intending to break up any possibility that there'd be good music coming out of country and western or if it'd be the same old crap that's been spouted for years? so the 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 idea of having kids with a future, the next generation having a future, or living by old boy money, old boy oil, old boy land grabs, old boy military, uh, kids want something different, and if that music festival that was shot up had anything to do with peace and love, I would bet that Hamas was in league with the oil boys,
1: All right, David. Yeah. Uh, again, um, y- your your wisdom surpasses that of mine. I really don't follow the correlation here. Uh, to me, it seems like they burned some babies. They, they, they raped uh, p- women, teens, old ladies, kidnapped people. And uh, whether there's oil or not, to me, is a secondary issue. The primary issue is that there is literally an attack on a country. And now they're fighting back against this group that's taking refuge and is the political party in charge of another territory and, and they're facing the the brunt of it. Um, so I appreciate the conversation. I just, I just didn't really get the, the gist of it. Maybe, uh, you could school me a little bit more and a little bit better next time. I appreciate it. Thank you, David, for your call from San Francisco listening online, rich Valdez, America at com. again. Um, yeah, I, I just don't see the correlation. I, I don't care what's uh, underneath the ground in Gaza. It, it doesn't change the fact that they went in there and they killed these people. Now, if we're going to make the argument that, well, why did they kill them? And would MAGA people shoot up the music? <laughs> Their motivation doesn't matter to me. I've always said this, and I'll say it again. If you're walking down the street and someone punches you in the face, do yourself a favor and don't ask them why they're punching you. Punch them back. It doesn't matter why they punched you. What matters is that you get them to stop punching you so that you're no longer in danger and they're no longer a threat. The reason why, the motive, you can, if you want to get into that, but just imagine what your day would look like. You're walking down the street and you get right in the face and you go, hey, hey, pal, why why are you punching me? What's, What's the point in that? No, sir, it doesn't work that way. You punch him back You punch him three or four more times, and then you can find out a little bit later if you need to. But the bottom line is you got to keep yourself safe, and I think that's what Israel's doing. We'll get into that and more straight ahead. I'm Rich Valdez.
4: Rich Valdez, a man will remain behind bars for allegedly kidnapping a New Jersey girl that he met through the online video game Roblox. 27-year-old Darius Matowich is charged with first-degree kidnapping and third-degree endangering the welfare of a child. The judge says he lacks ties to the community and is a flight risk due to the nature of these charges. The defendant's attorney insists there was no criminal intent and that the girl said she was being abused by her mother.
1: All right, so here we have this story from ABC News. And this is out of uh, New Jersey. Again, you guys know I live in Jersey. Uh, Passaic County is the county right next to me. I'm in Bergen County. And uh, let me tell you that this is a scary story. The little kid was playing Roblox. It's a uh, it's a it's an app. It's a game that people play online. Little kids play. I've never played it in my life. I know that lots of little kids that uh that I know that uh you know kids like under ten in my family and stuff. They they. They play this game. It's, it's you know, it's all the rage, as we say. And this guy came from Delaware. It's a lot of weird people coming from Delaware, right? And uh, he comes up to New Jersey, and he he, you can connect online with other players. I guess he was posing as another little kid or whatever, and he kidnaps this kid. And this is crazy stuff. Um, eleven-year-old girl from Passaic County, New Jersey. After they met online, was kidnapped by this guy, Darius. Uh, Mattelwich, 27 years old. He's behind bars right now. Uh, Cops say that he met the victim while they were playing Roblox. This is crazy. Now, um, the police in Wayne, New Jersey, where the little girl lived, were called at 645 in the morning on September 10th for a report of a missing child. She was found soon after. Thank God they found this girl. But let me tell you, this is a a very scary story. And listen, if you're a parent, a grandparent, a niece, uncle, or aunt, of a niece or a nephew that uh, plays this game. You you gotta be careful. People want to talk about how, oh, video games are making kids into killers. Listen, this is a real danger. The other stuff, I think, you know, you it, it is what it is. I grew up listening to songs like Cop Killer and F the Police and all this stuff, and I've never had that opinion. Uh, I realized that music is is art imitating life and it's one's interpretation. This is not anybody's interpretation. This is some sick bastard that went and stole somebody's kid. No bueno, right? This is bad stuff. So I, I definitely wanted to talk about this, and I wanted to get your reaction as well. If uh, if you have kids in your family that play Roadblocks, uh, Roblox, and if you were uh, familiar with this game, and not too long ago, a couple of months ago, the people from Roblox said, separate story, they said they were thinking of converting the app into a... Dating app because they realize how how um, intrinsically connected the users are these little kids five six seven eight nine ten eleven twelve years old that are playing this game that they're hoping to hold on to them forever kind of like Facebook I guess uh, where they now go and um, use the app as a dating site uh, which is very interesting to me so I want to get your reaction to that. I also want you to hear a a clip of audio, switching back to what we were talking about before, of Netanyahu today, who was asked um, a couple of things. Um, One of the things he was asked was, will you uh, consider a ceasefire? And again, Israel's just making inroads into going after Hamas. They've they've caught and destroyed one of the leaders of the uh, October 7th attack. And I find it fascinating that the media and so many, even even our own administration, everybody's putting the pressure on Israel uh, as a, you know, have to stop. You have to stop. You have to slow down. There's all this talk about half of the people in Gaza being under the age of 18. And I understand all that. Uh, m- my point is, um, you know, when the police, just regular police, they do a drug raid on a home. They go in with a SWAT team. These guys are armed with M1s or whatever it is they're using. They're kicking down the door in a no knock warrant, let's say. And they're looking for bad guys, right? Ideally, they're looking for guys that are pointing a gun at them, and they're going to shoot those people if, so that they're not shot first. Now, there may be women in this uh, place, this drug place, this drug den. There may be uh, people that are being held against their will. There may be kids. You never know what you're going to get when you knock on one of those doors. So do you shoot every single person in the place? No, of course not. You handle it like a professional. So if the cops can do that, Clearly, the IDF, which is a you know very elite fighting force, they can handle that. And to me, clearly, this rhetoric that we hear of you know will you quit, will you ceasefire—all this is just garbage coming from the left, and it's it's really just um, anti-Israel rhetoric couched in um, questions from the media. But uh, listen to Prime Minister Netanyahu today.
3: I want to make clear Israel's position regarding a ceasefire. Just as the United States would not agree to a ceasefire after the bombing of Pearl Harbor or after the terrorist attack of 9-11, Israel will not agree to a cessation of hostilities with Hamas after the horrific attacks of October 7. Calls for a ceasefire are calls for Israel to surrender to Hamas, to surrender to terrorism, to surrender to
1: barbarism. That will not happen. That is Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu. And listen, I agree with him 100%. I'm thinking, listen, we're, they're there now to destroy Hamas, right? That's the, get, the, get the hostages and destroy Hamas. If you had a chance to, you know, you call the exterminator and uh, you, you're not going to kill a few roaches. You want to you exterminate the whole building, right? You want to make sure this problem doesn't come back. I don't know. You guys let me know what your thoughts are. Let's uh, let's go to Boise, Idaho, KBOI and check in with Paul. Go right ahead. Thanks for taking my call, Rich. You betcha. Yeah, this
11: this this reminds me of my childhood when I was fifteen. I read up. Took two years, but I studied the Holocaust and how it happened, how it started. and there's, there's some names I wanted to read to you really briefly. Sure. One is Sorbivore. One is Bergen-Belsen, one is Treblinka, one is Auschwitz, one is Möshhausen, the pronunci- pronunciation may be off. And uh, there was various other books I read and pamphlets and so on and so forth. But, uh, you know, there was many, many millions that died in those camps that I just mentioned. Yeah. And what what Hamas doesn't understand is, 50 centuries of being persecuted, that's what they're up against, not just the bombs and going looking for the hostages in the tunnels. They're going after 50 50 centuries of being persecuted and being brutalized, and they're not taking it. And I hope he doesn't have a ceasefire. You know, if they they want humanitarian, they got to have the human in front of them to be able to give them the humanitarian.
1: Yeah, I think you're right. Paul, uh, they've got to go after Hamas and destroy Hamas. This can't be some sort of half-hearted effort uh, to just say, all right, you hit us and we're hitting you back. No, you got to make sure this this doesn't come back. They've got to permanently incapacitate Hamas. That doesn't mean killing minors. That doesn't mean anything. That means uh, exactly what I just said. Destroy Hamas. Make sure that they're left with not a leg to stand on. And whatever you got to do with those tunnels, you do with those tunnels. And later we can have a conversation about oil and whatever, and let, let all those miners figure out how to deal with the oil and become rich and, and live a very prosperous life. But right now, um, you can't just sit there and back down. I agree with Netanyahu when he says Israel shouldn't surrender to Hamas. I agree with that. And, you know, you talked about those tunnels. The uh, 85-year-old grandma that was released by Hamas uh, she explained uh, how the the tunnels looked, and she lived in one of the kibbutz where um, where they they were uh, what's the word uh, kidnapped right uh, taken violently by Hamas back on October seventh, and um, something that she um, this is in a, a, a interview that she did with the New York Post uh, she said it was a nightmarish two weeks, and she said it was a spider web of tunnels underneath the Gaza Strip. And this again, this woman's 79 years old. The other one was 85 years old. And she said she went through hell um, saying that uh, they were all over her kibbutz, uh, taking people left and right. They blew up the electronic fence that cost two and a half billion dollars to build, but didn't help with anything, she said, uh, with keeping anybody out. Uh, masses of people mobbed their homes. They beat people. They took some hostages. They didn't distinguish between young and elderly. It was very painful. She described how abductors grabbed and laid her on a motorcycle before speeding off with her through thick bushes. And she says that she was beaten with sticks during the ride. The young men hit me on the way. They didn't break my ribs, but it was painful, and she had difficulty breathing. Uh, She uh, went on to say that one terrorist stole her watch and her jewelry on the way to the hiding place. They brought us to the entrance of the tunnels. We arrived in the tunnel. We walked for miles on wet dirt, she added. And she said it's a giant system of tunnels like a spider's web. And uh, the mix of tunnels that they have uh, that Hamas has are some of them are narrow. Some of them are like dungeons. They don't have a lot of oxygen. Military experts told NBC News that Israel is at a disadvantage when it comes to facing off against Hamas underground because uh, Israel's technological superiority can't really help them that much underground. You can't really shoot bombs underground when you can't see people. And we saw the same thing with Afghanistan with their caves and whatnot. Uh, She said it's like being underwater. And uh, very unfortunate. I'm glad this woman as well. But. That's kind of how it is, and you're right, Paul. Uh, this is a, is a tough situation, and there's a lot of history to it. Uh, let's continue with Jane, Saratoga, New York, WGDJ. Jane, go right ahead.
8: Hi, Rich. Um, first of all, yes, bravo to Netanyahu. He's doing what he should do. Mm-hmm. And speaking of people who do what they're supposed to I, want to, I was going to talk about something else, but I want to pay you a compliment the The person that you spoke with from San Francisco, you handled that so brilliantly. I have ne- he was he's very typical of almost every single person on the left if you expect them to answer things and have conversations. they don't and you did it so perfectly because every time. He would deflect to something else. You would ask him point blank. Well, what are you talking about? What do you mean by that? And he could not get to the point. And I was sitting here yelling (laughs) and saying, bravo. And (laughs) really, you you handled that so beautifully. And that's the way we have to handle things. So everyone needs to take you as an example.
1: That's so kind of you. I really appreciate the compliment. Uh, You are a gentlewoman, a scholar, and a patriot yourself. And folks, we're coming right back with the rest of your calls and more. 833-482-5337. 833-4VALDEZ.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. He's brown, he's bald, and he's breaking it down. It's America at Night with Rich Valdez.
1: Edition of the Star-Spangled Banner is courtesy of rap legend Flavor Flav. Now I know a lot of people are listening to that saying, "Oh my gosh, Flavor Flav should stick to rapping," and you're probably right. But I played that a to pay homage to my country, and b because I grew up listening to Flavor Flav and 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 Chuck D from Public Enemy, and again, they they were really part of what got me interested in politics, and. I disagreed with their politics, even as a kid. I remember listening to some of their lyrics, uh, and I loved the, the music. It was so conscious. It was so involved. You know, they, they weren't talking about violence, but they were talking about, you know, um, kind of Black Panther type of stuff, and, uh, and about politics and, and social issues. And it were just interesting to me. And it, it created a curiosity in me. And I'm sure today, if you told Chuck D or Flavor Flav, you know, hey, your music you know, this kid ended up being a conservative talk radio guy. They'd go, Oh my gosh, how did we mess up? (laughs) But, but it was, it was them putting their thoughts on display. That really was the, the thought provocation for me to say, well, let's really, how does that really work out? But uh, I think uh, the the reason I played the audio again was so many times nowadays you, um, you hear somebody who um, may disagree with you politically and they'll change the words of the Star Spangled Banner. They'll start saying that America's a racist country and this, that, and the other thing. And here it was Flavor Flav um, holding true to the actual words of the Star Spangled Banner, singing his heart out, belting out uh, the, the Star Spangled Banner, our national anthem. And I have to say kudos to Flavor Flav. He's the rapper with the clock around his neck. Anyway, I want to get to your calls. we got a speed round coming up with Michael, Sarah, and Sandra. Uh, from Alabama, Indiana, and Oregon coming up straight ahead. Don't go anywhere. I'm Rich Valdez.
0: This is America at Night with Rich Valdez. best head of hair in a live late night radio six years in a row it's rich valdez
1: all right amigos welcome back we go to the left coast to check in with michael in pendleton oregon on kuma michael go right ahead
5: uh, rich great talking to you great show as usual
1: uh, i you. just wanted
6: to say <clears throat> i respect my friends on the liberal side Uh, But I couldn't agree with you um, and and the Israeli prime minister more, what you've been saying. Um, I'll try to make it brief. But, um, yes, you know, they have a right to defend themselves. Anybody does. And I I thank President Biden, Vice President Harris for supporting Israel. But, yes, if Israel needs to follow the rules of war, but I would I would just add that uh, Humas needs to follow those rules also, and I can only wonder how the great Ronald Reagan would handle this current situation. Rich.
1: Yeah, you know it makes me think, Michael. Would we even be in the situation if we had a leader like Reagan, right? You know, somebody who was tough talking, walk, walking quietly while holding a big stick, putting focus on peace through strength. It makes you think maybe this wouldn't have happened maybe hamas only pounced because they smelled the weakness from joe el baboso biden michael in pendleton oregon thank you for your call my brother kuma let's go to sarah bedford indiana wbiw sarah go right ahead quickly
8: a great show my personal opinion pertaining to uh, online games no kid under 18 should be under social media they're hmm. opening themselves up to perverts, bullies, all sorts of negative things. we are all missing out on the ceiling, face-to-face contact, books going outside.
1: Thank you. You know what, Sarah? Thank you for your brevity, number one. And number two, I think you're right. Um, there's, there's a lot to be said about this interactivity, interconnectivity that people have on these games. And even when there isn't anybody, even if it's just uh, the game themselves that the kid is playing. I remember my daughters were playing a game uh, when they were younger. And it was a game about the Kardashians. And I was like, they have a game? And they were like, yeah. And they were explaining the game about, you know, like, you know, they start businesses and whatever. It was stuff that they did on their TV show. And it was through a game. And I thought to myself, that's some crazy stuff, you know, that I don't know. I had to look more into it. And I never really did. I was just like, find something else to play. But it was crazy. Sarah, thanks for the call. Let's go to Sandra in Dothan, Alabama. WDBT. Sandra, go for it quickly
8: yeah i was gonna say or ask your opinion wonder if the roles were reversed if israel would have went in and attacked tomas and killed their children how would all these people on the left feel about that and then the other thing was about our speaker of the house he's looking at some money for israel and ukraine but he's not looking at printing new money he wants to cut the budget
1: yeah well i love that you're gonna he's gonna have to be creative Uh, because nobody wants to increase spending. I think cutting the budget is the way to go. And you're right. If the shoe were on the other foot, uh, of course, they would have still been like, hey, hey, what did Israel do to to provoke this? You know, I mean, it's just crazy, the double standard. Thank you, Sandra. Take care. Good night. God bless. I'm Rich Valdez. Hasta la próxima